0: Well, hey, good morning. Good, morning. good morning. Well, was last week the longest week in recorded human history? I feel like it was. Yes. I felt like it was an entire month that uh, was somehow compressed into seven days, because I just, I mean, we're supposed to start school like on Wednesday. I know that's weird, but normally we were, and it felt like you had a couple of days, and then you're at Friday. This was like, when is Friday happening, right? Like, it never came. And then when it finally came, I thought it was Saturday. I don't even know. It was a weird week. But we made it, we survived. <laughs> we're kicking off a brand new series today that we're entitling, Make Every Effort. In fact, that is gonna be the theme for this new, ser- this new ministry season that we are kicking off this August as we get ready, kind of following that school uh, calendar. And our students will be talking about making every effort. We'll be doing that up there at the retreat. We'll be doing that in chapel. And so when, um, when we look at this, this phrase, it's a phrase that's repeated several times in the New Testament, and it, depending on which translation you're reading. In the NIV, it'll appear nine different times. And every time you see the phrase in the New Testament, it's always connected to a command in your faith walk. Make every effort to do what leads to peace. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit. Make every effort to live at peace with everyone. So when you read that phrase, there's always gonna be this following, like do this, you know, make every effort to, to do that. And so when you think about the word effort, when you think about making effort, I wanted to, as I was thinking about how to start our series and really get into this topic, I, I think we need to deal with our emotional relationship to the word effort. How, does, how, how is your relationship with effort? <laughs> how many of you have any like, PTSD from someone who told you that you're not giving enough effort. You're like, oh man, that sounds like my coach back in high school, right? Uh, Or maybe you're thinking about the effort that you're supposed to bring to keeping yourself in shape. And you're like, ah, you know, it's like, yes, effort. Effort is not fun. A lot of times, at least that's kind of what maybe we associate it. Maybe you think of effort in your hard work. Uh, with school, right? Like, oh man, I've got all this homework to do, and, and you're hitting the books hard, and you're feeling like I've just not given enough effort, right? It's hard work. I asked you a minute ago, uh, do you have any hard, like PTSD about it, right? Have you had a situation earlier where you think, man, there was that one time where you know uh, I I got that performance review at work, and the boss says, hey man, you're not giving me enough effort. And you have to come home and tell your your wife or your husband about it. And it's just not good news, right? When someone tells you that you're not doing enough, you just really feel like you're struggling. In my life, whenever I think about times in my life where I really felt like, oh, effort, it's usually in those transition periods in life. When you're at your first time on a new job and you're, you're giving all you can and you're trying to learn everybody's name and all the policies and you're giving a lot of effort or maybe you're first day as a freshman in college, and you're just, you're getting that overload of all of the work that's, that was just my experience, right? And then at the same time, I'm also trying to play some sports in college, and I just was like drowning at that period. Uh, I can tell you uh, another moment in my life was when our twins were born. Um, You know, our marriage was great. I married to Michelle, it's amazing. We had Taryn, she was easy. But when these two little boogers were born... I'm just like, oh my gosh, right? All, our effort was down to keeping them alive, right? That was what, it, was, it wasn't about like keeping them cute and dressed. It was like, man, are they still breathing, right? In fact, this picture was taken around Christmas time. I think they were probably around six weeks old. And I think the expression on Terrence's face really pictures it. It's like, can we give these back? Like, can we return them? Like, I don't know where they came from, but can we give them back, Right? It's <laughs> so perfect, but they—but you know what, guys? Good news—they survived, and so did we. Here's a picture of our 24th anniversary a couple of weeks ago, and Carson and Mackenzie are still alive. But there are moments, right, where it feels like effort is like you don't have anymore, you can't give anymore. It's like pushing that boulder up a hill, and you just—you just feel like, man. And so now you're in a sermon series about making effort and you're thinking, really? <laughs> I don't want to hear about it, <laughs> right? Like, is this really what we're going to be talking about? Um, one more place where I need to be giving effort, right? But you know, guys, I want to really encourage you today. And I really believe that this sermon's not going to, make, not going to feel heavy. It's going to feel light. Because when we get done today, I believe that this, we'll be talking about some principles and some truths today that will really, really energize your faith. And so I wanna talk for a minute about how the relationship between faith and effort. And I wanna look at something that Jesus says because he's the first one to use the phrase. In fact, what Jesus says about making effort, I think is so critical that it really needs to set the tone for today's message and this whole series. Because Jesus was asked an important question. And the way he answers it, I think is, it shows us how serious Jesus took faith. How seriously Jesus took a relationship that we need to have with God. It says in Luke chapter 13, look what it says. It says, Jesus went throughout the towns and villages teaching as he made his way to Jerusalem. Someone asked him, Lord, are only a few people going to be saved? He said to them, look at this, make every effort to enter through the narrow door. Because many, I tell you, will try to enter (coughs) and not be able. That's a pretty sobering answer to that question. I think probably the disciples wanted to hear, yeah, it's going to be great. The doors will be flung wide open and the street is broad. The way is broad into the kingdom. But that's not how Jesus answers the question. He's speaking about his kingdom. And he's there preaching to towns and villages, and he's announcing the arrival of the kingdom of God. And so that question naturally arises, like, how many will be in your kingdom, Jesus? And he, and he brings this sobering answer. And the sobering answer is make effort that you are in the kingdom. This is, uh, this is one of those, whoa, kind of moments. See, Jesus doesn't ever sugarcoat the truth. He tells you the truth. He does it, I think, with a heart of love, he doesn't do it in a condemning way. He doesn't do it in a way that, that seems br- like a blunt force object. It'll be more like a scalpel cutting deep into our hearts to get, us, get the truth planted deeply in there. But he's going to tell us the truth. He's going to say, hey, there's going to be a lot of people when the kingdom comes that wish they w- would have made effort, but didn't. In fact, I want to I look at a passage today where this phrase, make every effort, shows up twice twice. And it's written by one of the closest friends of Jesus, Peter. And this will be written 30 years after Jesus uh, died and rose from the dead. Peter had been a pastor and he'd been planning churches for 30 years after Jesus's ministry. And these are some of the last words that Peter writes. It's his last recorded letter. I think at this point in Peter's life, he knows his, his time is short and he's going to give some really clear things statements and truths to his disciples to his churches and you get this sense from Peter that he just wants to communicate some really important things. He wants to almost grab people by the shoulders and look them deep in the eyes and say, "Hey man, this is important." I think you see some pastoral concern in Peter. Look at it, look at it this first Peter, second Peter chapter uh, 1. How, look, notice even how he introduces himself, Simon Peter a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ. To those who, uh, who through the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, have received faith a faith, notice this, as precious as ours. Even as Peter opens his letter, he's referring to this precious faith. In fact, I think a lot of the writers in the New Testament looked at faith. I think Jesus too, as, as something that needed to be protected. Something that could, that, that was at times fragile. You think of the parable of the sower, right? And how the sow, that seed that was sown in those different hearts, it, it was, it was, it was something that needed to be protected. You had the birds that were trying to steal the seed. You had the thorns that were trying to choke the seed. You had all the cares of the world that were also just, just always, always about the seed but it was only a few instances where the seed found the good ground. And so here you see Peter and he's like, this precious faith, protect it. He goes on in verse two, he says, grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of of God and and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, these, he has given us his very great and precious promises. And we're gonna talk about these promises today. So through these, he's given us his very great and precious promises so that through them, you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Like I said, Peter is not going to pull any punches. He's going to be really just shooting straight. He says, listen, the world is full of these corrupting desires that are, that are present. And we have been rescued f- from those by the power of Jesus. Walk in this is what you're going to hear. In verse five, he kind of gets into it. It says, for this very reason, in other words, because of the power that you've been given, because of the access you've been given to participate in the new nature, the divine nature of Jesus, now you have work to do. And here it is, for this very reason, let's all say it together, make every effort. Like, let's see some effort here. You've got this gift that God gave you, this rescue that Jesus has provided for you. Now make some effort. He says, to add to your faith, goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. Peter just kind of goes on almost a stream of consciousness of things that should be growing in a believer's life. You've met Jesus. You've experienced his power in in your life. You've experienced the, the freedom from the corrupting lusts. And now we need to see that you are transforming. And that's actually what this sermon's about. And it's actually what the series is about. It's about transforming. It's about walking in a new way. It's about having a new life in Jesus. It's about, about seeing changes happen. Real, dramatic, interior changes Not just a mask that you put on when your good friends are around and a mask that you take off when you're not. Like a true transformation. Can I ask you a question? Are you experiencing true transformation? Have you experienced true changes deep? Now, I'm not saying, are you perfect? And I'm not saying, you know, how. if if I asked your spouse or your best friend what they would say, I'm asking you. and, and, And I want you to hear something here this morning that I think is that's part of this, I need to be pastoral and caring. Guys, we can be really hard on ourselves, and, and I don't want anyone to take this sermon the wrong direction, because I think some of us that are more sensitive in this room might say, well, you know, I'm not perfect yet, and does that mean I'm not a Christian? And, and, and then the enemy can start to really, really cause us to spiral. But I do want to say this, I think so many of us, if we're honest, might struggle with the lack of growth right? Can I get amen? Like maybe some of us said, man, I wish I've seen some changes, but I've got so much further I want to go. Man, I I really do want to be the kind of person that learns how to turn the other cheek because I don't turn no other cheeks, right? Like I really want to be the kind of person who blesses those who curse me. I want to be the kind of person who extends forgiveness and doesn't hold grudges. I want to be the kind of person that truly lives the Jesus way, right? Does anyone else want to be that kind of person, right? That's us, right? That's us. That's what this series is about. Look what Peter goes on and he says, for if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, look what this pastor says. They will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know what he says? He says here, that if you're increasing in this, you're making progress, it's going to keep you on the narrow path that gets through that narrow gate. If you want to be a person that's in the kingdom, you want to be a person that's able to say, man, I'm there, I'm with Jesus, Peter says, then let's see us increase in these qualities. Let's make effort in our faith. But then the warning hits. This is in verse 9. He says, but all those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted and blind. That word short-sighted is an interesting choice of words. It refers to someone who forgets or is unable to see ahead. And that's what Peter's saying. It's like, if you aren't really growing in your faith with Jesus, then it's evidence that you are forgetting what's ahead for you. You're forgetting where we're headed as a group of followers of Jesus, as a community that Jesus died for, we're headed for a great place, but you're living as if you've forgotten that's our destination. And he says that you forgot that you've been cleansed from their old sins. Peter says, therefore, in verse 10, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. The NIT translates it this way. So dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you really are among those God has called and chosen. Do these things and you'll never fall away. And then Peter gives this vision. I want you to see it. This is how he ends our passage today. You and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Christ. Peter wants to remind them where we're headed. Guys, listen, this walk of faith is going to take effort. You got to take you got to take your take this seriously. This is a precious gift. This is something that needs to be protected. This is something that you need to take seriously. You need to say, "Lord, I want to keep walking in this faith walk." Right? And and ahead for us is this inheritance that God is reserved in heaven for us. When Jesus returns and we enter that kingdom, we're gonna be like, wow, what an amazing thing that we get to participate in, the great reward. I think you see in Peter's words here, an echo of, of Jesus. I think that same warning that Jesus gave, I think Peter never forgot about that. And I think that's what you're seeing here in this text. He's, he's, he's warning, he's worried He's concerned. He's a good pastor. Guys, a good pastor is someone who, who thinks about the people in their church, who prays for them, who says, look, I'm gonna keep working until I see Christ formed in you. I'm gonna keep encouraging you until I see growth happening in you, in your life groups, in, in your community groups. It's, it's those people in your life, those friends in your life who care enough about you that says, hey, I, I just wanna keep encouraging you, keep walking with Jesus I'm not going to tempt you to do wrong in fact i'm going to encourage you to do right and so we're we're talking about effort in this series and i want to i really want to try to illustrate something that really i think will lighten maybe how you're feeling right now because up to this point you might be like okay i'm supposed to do all this work i'm supposed to try to become a better person and you might be looking at your own track record and think man there's been times I've, I've done better and then I got tripped up and right now I'm not doing so good. And, and now I'm in this church and this pastor says that, you know, I need to be kind of becoming more like Jesus. And man, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm not there, you know, that's where I'm at. And I want to just, I want to remind you of the goodness of God for a minute. I want to say something. These are promises that Peter's talking about this morning. He says, these are precious promises. You want to know what the first promises we have? It's this right here. God will never ask you to do something. He doesn't supply you the material that you need to do it. God is not in the business of giving you some kind of command, some kind of order, and then sitting back with arms crossed and a tapping foot waiting for you to complete what he's told you to do. That's not who our God is. Our God is a God who gets his hands dirty. Can I get an amen? Our God's the kind of God who leaves heaven, gets his hands dirty, walks on our earth, lives our life, and in that way shows us how to have victory. He doesn't stand aloof up in heaven with a judgment uh, gavel waiting to give you his, his pronouncement of judgment. And so this, this is a powerful thing that Peter says, that according to his divine power, he's given you everything you need for a godly life. So before I unpack this, I want you to know this, that God is gonna give you what you need. I want you to think about this. Like, pretend that you have this big project to do for a, an assignment. We're starting school again. And your, your professor, you know, or your teacher, he says, Here, here's your research assignment. You gotta write this paper for me. But here's what you have. You have your computer. You have your internet access, right? You got your library, right? You got everything you need, guys. Everything you need to write this paper. So sit down and do what? Write it. Can I get amen, teachers? Right? Or maybe you're going to build a house. You got all the wood, you got the nails, you got the blueprints, you got the slab, you even got a couple buddies, right? And so, guess what? Pick up the hammer and build it. Are you with me? God is never going to require us or ask us to do something. He doesn't give us the ability to do it. And I want to look at this passage where Paul spells this out for us. This is in Philippians chapter 2. This is a powerful word for us this morning. He says this, he says, dear friends, you've always followed my instructions when I was with you. Paul isn't with him now. He's in prison. And he says, and now that I am away, it's even more important. You can see Pastor Paul here. It's like Pastor Peter. Work hard to show the results of your salvation obeying God with deep reverence and fear. So Paul is doing exactly what Peter says. Like, hey, I, I, I want you to make every effort. I want you to work hard. I want you to, I want the results that you truly are a follower of Jesus to show up. But then Paul gives us this powerful insight. He says these words, for God is working in you. Guys, I want you just to say that. God is working in me. I want you to say that right now. God is working in me. This is a promise that you need to claim. Because this is something that I believe scripture tells us is true. And regardless of how you feel, you have to just accept it by faith. God is working in you. God is working in you to transform you. You have everything you need for a godly life. That's what Peter just said. So God is working in you. And look at how he's working. There's two ways. The first one is this. It says he's giving you the desire. That's the first first thing that God is going to work in you to do. And I wanna talk about desire for just a second because just because you became a Jesus follower doesn't mean that all of your old desires just go away. We all have the same desires as any old person. But let me say this about desire. Desire grows when you feed it. And whatever you feed will grow. So you might have a desire for all kinds of things. And if you choose to feed those desires, those desires will get stronger. But as you've decided to follow Jesus... He's placed his Holy Spirit inside of you, and inside of you now are a new set of desires. And these desires can grow. They're the first evidence that you follow Jesus. There's a desire maybe to connect with God in a way you have never experienced before, there's a desire to pray. It might not be really strong, but it's there. There's a desire to read your Bible. Even if you don't fully understand it, there's a desire to go to church. Now, let me tell you, that that desire, this is so important. That desire is this moment, this window that you have. And you are either gonna feed that desire or you're gonna lean away from that desire. You're either gonna pursue that desire or you're gonna walk away from it. That's where the effort comes from. So there's this desire and now you're like, okay, I'm gonna lean into that. But notice what else Paul says. Not only is there a desire that God gives us, the second thing is he gives us the power. He gives us power. See, as I said a minute ago, God's never gonna ask us or require us to do something that he doesn't supply everything we need to do. So God's doing two things here on both ends. He's gonna give you the desire on the front end and he's gonna give you the power on the back end. And I want you to think about how this actually works in in real life. I want you to think about the, maybe there's a time in your, in your life where you just like, okay, I know that I should go on a prayer walk or I should, I should try to pray, right? So there's this little desire that's there and it might not be big, but it's there. And say, okay, Lord, I'm going to try to pray. And so you take that, that first step and you're like, okay, I'm trying to pray and it's not going so good. My mind is kind of wandering. And then you just, okay, I don't know. Maybe I just, I'm not good at praying, right? But then you hear a sermon on prayer or somebody encourages you or somebody tells you something about prayer and you're like, okay, let me try this again, right? And so here's this kind of dance that happens as you grow in your walk with Jesus. What happens is you start to realize, you know, that last time I prayed, as I'm reflecting back on that, actually there were some moments where I felt like I had actually made a little progress in that walk with Jesus, in that faith walk. I mean, huh, that's interesting. I prayed and it was a little bit easier. It's like, I'm sensing the Lord's presence in my prayer. Guys, check this out. Make every effort to pray. Like, it's not gonna be easy. If it was easy, anyone could do it. Are you with me today, right? It's like, I'm gonna push in prayer a little bit. Can I get an amen here today, right? Guys, can I tell you something about me? Um, I am not a compassionate person. I am not, right? I mean, I remember my mom did this like psychological test on me because her friend was a therapist, like back when I was a kid. And they heard I wanted to be a pastor because I'm weird. And when I was little, I said I wanted to be a pastor. Like, okay, well, let's see if Brad could be a pastor. She goes, I got to tell you, um, he's not super compassionate. (laughs) You know, but here's the weird thing. Here's the weird thing. There are moments where I'm with someone. And I know my natural state, you know. And all of a sudden, I have this desire, like drawn toward them. And I'll look at them in the eyes and they'll tell me their story. And it's like all of a sudden, Love pours into my heart and that throat gets, you know what I'm talking about, right? And you're like, oh, and my my eyes start to well up with tears. And and guys, I'm telling you, it's the power of God that is not natural to me to start to love that person and care for them and and to have empathy for them and to say, man, can I and I can I just hold your hand and and look at you, you in the eye and just say that God loves you and that you're not alone right? That's that dance. That's that, that's that God giving you the desire, you giving the effort, and then bam, he giving you the power. You know, I, w- I was thinking about what's the best way that you could really kind of unpack this, this dance that happens with God and this, this kind of like effort, energy, effort, you know, kind of thing. And I'll tell you the story. So I wanted to start going on these bike rides up to Boulder City and I didn't want to go alone. And I got a bike, a uh, cheap bike somewhere. And um, I was like, Yeah, I want to do these bike rides. It's a great thing to do on my day off. And I wanted Michelle and I to have at least a little time together. I said, Honey, you want to ride up to Boulder City with me on a bike? Because there's a trail. And she's like, You're crazy. <laughs> like, I am not riding up to Boulder City. No, that's 14 miles, like all the way uphill. And, and so I was like, Yeah, I know, but I really would like you to go. And she's so, kind and dutiful. And she's like, no. Anyway, <laughs> so, but I said, hey, they, they've invented something new. And they're, they're bikes, but check this out. This is a bike, but what is unique about this particular bike is that it has a battery pack. Now, I'm really glad they didn't have these when I was in high school because I would not be here to talk about anything, I'd probably be dead, because I would have launched these off the biggest jumps. You know how it is, right? Because when I was growing up, we actually played outside, not on the video games. Anyway, another, another. But like, I would have jumped these things, because these things are pretty awesome, right? And I think Brian uh, ate it the other day when he was up in the mountains on a bike like this. The wonderful thing about this bike, and my wife will be sure to tell me this, you have to put effort in, right? Like we'll ride up to Boulder City and she's like, hey, just so you know, my rings on my watch are full. I put a lot of effort in to get up here just because you're riding a normal bike. This still takes work, but here's the beautiful thing about this bike. It doesn't start going until you start putting the effort in. It doesn't, it doesn't engage the energy until you put the effort in. In fact, that's exactly what, how I think our faith walk is, what works. I think our faith walk works th- that exact same way. It's when I put in the, the effort, God gives me the energy. Or to say it this way, when, when his energy will show up, when my effort does. See, so many of us have not experienced this, this miraculous transformation in our life. It's because we're sitting here hoping that God just zaps us with this energy, right? That he just zaps us with this, with this miraculous change. And then we say, well, then I'll start to, to obey and I'll, then I'll start to change. And God's like, it doesn't work that way, Brad. It doesn't work that way. What you need to do is by faith, claim what is yours by birthright. You've been born again into the family of God. My son, Jesus gave his life on the cross and is inviting you to participate in a new nature. But you have to put the effort in and the minute you do i meet you with my energy come on the minute you put that effort in the minute you say god i'm going to try and guys sometimes i know it i know i know it is it is all you can do to take the first step out the front door to go on that prayer walk. It's all you can do to just try to say I'm sorry to someone who's hurt you or to try to to try to mend a broken relationship. It's all you can do just to show up. They say that the heaviest weight in the gym is the front door, right? All you, it's the hardest thing just to show up, but check this out. Guys, when we show up, so does God, come on. When he shows up, his energy shows up. That's what it is. That's where the miracles are, guys. That's where the transformation happens. It doesn't happen sitting on your couch going through Netflix. It happens when you get up off that couch and says, God, I'm gonna gonna try. I'm gonna crack open the Bible. I don't even know where to start, but I'm gonna try. I'm showing up. And when you show up, so does his energy. Here's Here's the word today, church. The word is this expend the effort, expect the energy. Expend the effort and expect the energy. That's the faith walk. That's the expectation. My God promised that he's gonna work and give me the desire and the power. So I don't know where you're at this morning, church. I don't know if you've been so frustrated with yourself, so wanting to change and you don't know how, And maybe you've almost were on the edge of just being totally just like, it's impossible. Maybe other people change, but I can't. Can I tell you, that's a lie. God is ready to transform anyone who gives their whole life and heart to him. So right where you sit, right in this moment, I'm gonna invite you to give your whole life to Jesus. Maybe you've never ever even had a relationship with Jesus. And so this is all new for you. I'm gonna invite you into the greatest journey you've ever been on in your life. I'm gonna invite you to to give your hand and to place your hand into the King of Kings hand and to give give your life to him. And for him to say, I'll take you just like you are. You don't have to get cleaned up in order for me to be in connection with you. I like you just where you are. Let me take you where you are and take you on a journey of transformation and make you just like my own son, Jesus. You won't even recognize yourself in a couple of years, church. Come on. You won't even recognize who you are. He'll change you that much. If we could just stand as a church, I wanna, I wanna give you all an invitation. No matter where you're at in your faith journey, every one of us can take a step today. So for those that have never trusted Jesus really, can I, can I be like Paul or Peter Can I look at you and can I say in love, I I want you to make sure you know God. I don't want you to miss the kingdom. I want you to certify your calling and make sure you're in the kingdom. And right where you are, I want you to have a simple invitation. God loves you. Jesus died for you. Let those words seek. Jesus the Son of God died on the cross for you. And by faith, reach out your hand and just tell him, Lord, come into my life. Right now, Jesus, I give you my life. Whatever mess of it is, I don't even know. Thank you for loving me, even in my own state of sin, whatever, mistakes, shame. And right where I am, Jesus, I give you my life. Come into my heart. I ask you to be my king. Forgive me of my sins. I trust in Jesus. Give me that new nature, that divine nature. Put that in me. Start to change me from the inside out. Set me free from addiction and pain and guilt and shame. Set me free from all the things all the voices in my head that tell me I'm no good, set me free from a life that that was going nowhere and give me a new life in Jesus. Right where you are, you can pray that out. If you've been walking with Jesus for a while, but to be honest, there needs to be some changes. I want to give you a thought and I want to give you a word. Right where you are, I want you to make a decision based on verse five of our text. Make every effort. Where are you putting your effort in, Christian? Are you expecting transformation but not giving any effort? That needs to change right now. You need to prioritize around Jesus. And so if you are a follower of Jesus, I want to encourage you to take a good look at your life and say, where am I putting the effort? Where does new effort need to go? Maybe you have a prayer with Jesus later and you say, God, where, where does new effort need to go in my life? Where do I need to put new effort? Maybe it's in your social group, where you're hanging out, where your who your best friends are. Maybe that's where it is. Maybe it's in your quiet time with Jesus. Maybe it's in some places where there's some there's some just some friction. And you know there's some people that you need to just take the effort to love your enemy and you just work through that. But right now I want you, I want to invite the prayer team forward. And if you need to pray with someone, let's put some effort in our faith. Let's let go of some old grudges. Let's let go of some old pain. Let's not let bitterness be controlling our hearts anymore. Let's have love replace that. Put some effort in. The prayer team will be forward. We're gonna sing a song that I think so captures this. And there's there's a line in the song where it's almost like the songwriter saying something to himself. And sometimes you need to talk to yourself and he says to himself come on my soul he's like come on this is what's true there's a lion inside of you and there is church release that lion inside of you don't let yourself be deceived by the enemy anymore